We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more podcasts. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm C. Rivero. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. It is a beautiful day. For Rams fans, all is shining bright. Uh, no problems to report, right, man? I mean, everything's everything's very nice and dandy over here. Yeah, uh, fans are really, really happy with the direction this team is going. Everyone's a big proponent of Jared Goff. You know, we're solid. You know, no one's planning on cutting anyone's heads off. No, no, and everyone's healthy. Uh, team team is on a bit of a winning streak. Uh, you know, it's great, uh, except none of that's true. Uh, here we are. The Rams lost their third straight game this week. We added two players to the injured reserve over uh, – both of these happened today. 
So that's delightful. So we're going to talk about all this, guys. And it's full disclosure. I don't know how how upbeat this podcast is going to be. But uh, luckily for you guys, I am at my best when I'm shitting on the Rams and not praising them. I don't know about you, Johnny. Well, I would prefer not to uh, shit on the Rams, but uh doesn't look like we have much of a choice today, does it? No. No, and I mean, uh, we'll talk about the positives from the 49er game probably because, believe it or not, there were a couple. It's just uh, it's a third straight loss to a team in our division that we all hate, and it was the worst offensive performance in a long time for the Rams. Uh, but before we get into everything... Uh, don't forget, you can get our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. If we're not there, let us know. We'll be there. Uh, don't forget to check out our other shows on our podcast feed, Rams Talk Radio, Rams Uncensored, Rampage Radio, and the Rams Brothers Podcast. Full slate for you guys, man. We're putting out content every day. And don't forget, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and be entered to win a NFLshop.com gift card. Uh, send an email with a screenshot of the review to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. And, yep, tell us who's entering, and you'll be entered to win. All right, I don't even know where to start, man. Uh, Joseph Noteboom, Akeem Talib, both added to the injured reserve today. I guess let's ease, ease into this because uh, the Joseph Noteboom injury is going to be a part of a longer discussion, I feel like, about that position, what's happening there. But Akeem Talib, he didn't play last week, wasn't added to the IR, so you know you didn't really expect much to be made there you know I to me I don't know about you it kind of felt like it should be a week-to-week thing I don't know where it gets out of the IR today won't be eligible to return for eight weeks and so that's deep deep into I'm not even gonna say the playoff run but this gonna be the playoff push because we're three and three and we are not guaranteed a playoff spot at all but I I mean what do you think this injury means for the Rams right now Troy Hill stepping into the role last year yeah I and anyone who's listened to this know this is Johnny's favorite player on the team, Troy Hill. <laughs> Last year did not play well in this role, but against the 49ers, I mean, I actually thought he had a pretty good game. He did save a touchdown uh, on that. They ran a screen pass to Debo Samuel. Hill tackled him, made a nice play, got him down to like the one, and then Garoppolo threw an interception. How do you feel about the state of – uh, the, I guess we can factor this into John Johnson has a shoulder injury. He's going to get a second opinion. By the time this podcast comes out, he might also be out for an extended period of time, but it seems unlikely that he's going to play this week. So basically where we're at, Troy Hill is going to be the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. Either Marky Christian or Taylor Rapp is going to be a starting safety next week. Both guys will probably play a lot because Rapp already plays a lot, no matter what position he's playing. I mean, how do we feel about this secondary unit for the next couple weeks, uh, you know, without Tlaib and maybe without John Johnson? Well, I have to say my uh, larger concern, I think you know where I'm going with this, but uh, for the sake of the topic here, the secondary, I'm not, I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. It is a bit of a concern just because, you know, Tlaib hadn't been the same guy that we saw last year from the beginning of the season. Like, I, I don't know uh, what's gone wrong with the keep Tlaib, but he he hasn't been the same guy. So I'm not sure if that's entirely a bad thing, just because I think age might be, uh, you know, catching up to Tlaib. 
Uh, at this point, we're just hoping that Troy Hill can. God, Troy Hill can actually <laughs> be that guy. I, I, you know, the thing about Troy Hill, and one of the reasons why I am not a huge fan of Troy Hill is because he's one of the most aggravating players I've ever really seen on the Rams simply because he has the talent, but he is so inconsistent. It's frustrating. And thankfully, uh, last week, he wasn't that bad. In fact, he was actually relatively good. But the thing is, you never know what chill you're going to get. And sometimes it's just, he has a decent game, but he allows such a terrible play to slip by. And as we know in the NFL, one play is all it takes to win or lose a game. So this is kind of why I'm concerned about Hill being our starter. But in, in I mean, in the grand scheme of things, am I that concerned at corner? Not really, because at least, you know, there's Marcus Peters on the other side. Whether you love or hate the guy, he's still talented. So I'd much rather have Marcus Peters there than, you know, any anyone else at this point. Uh, as far as John Johnson goes, it's, it's a concern just because I feel like John Johnson is a very special player in the secondary. And there's going to be no replacing him because he's just that good. But it's still not that big of a concern just because... As you mentioned, you bring up some really good safeties that the um, backups that you know the Rams have in, in Taylor Rapp or Marquis Christian, just depending on which way Wade Phillips wants to go. But either one of those guys are very good replacements for John Johnson for the time being. Hopefully, Johnson's not going to be out for an extended period of time, and it'll be just maybe a week or two, but we'll see. Uh, but secondary overall, am I that concerned? Not really, but it it is something to think about going forward just because you have uh, other things to think about too with the Keep Talib's contract coming up. You know, do, do we want to bother to resign him? My thoughts at the moment are no. And then, of course, I mean, even John Johnson's contract is expiring soon yeah. too. So, uh, obviously, that's a guy, I don't care how injured he gets, that's a guy you want to resign if you can afford it at this point. But, um, yeah, how are you feeling, Steve? You know, you, your points on Tlaib were spot on. He, he's not the guy he was last year. I, I think it's trending towards we might be able to keep him on a cheap deal, and if we can, I'm all for it. Even if he's not the starter, he's a leader on this team. He's a guy I'd, I'd love to have until until his career is over, but... I I don't feel at at cornerback I and even at safety um losing John Johnson is a, is a huge hit it's a bigger hit than Talib but I think and this is going to be a topic when we talk about another position on this team the Rams have depth at this position and it's not to say that guys like Troy Hill and Marky Christian are like Pro Bowl caliber players or even NFL starting level caliber players but they are as far as backups go. They're better than most teams' backups, I think. And you, Troy Hill, he's played in that position before, well at times, horrible at other times. But at least you have a guy, guy who knows how to do it. And the same goes for Christian. You know, both of these guys have experience playing, getting real reps, getting meaningful reps, and in big games for extended periods of time. 
And you bring, you mentioned Taylor Rapp too. Uh, both Taylor Rapp and Christian are going to play heavily, I think, because of how the Rams shift out linebackers for safeties. I, you know, Johnson is way better than both of them. It, losing him would be a huge blow. But I think if we patch up other spots on the team, we can keep the ship afloat with a with the secondary looking like this, especially considering how how good our front our front guys are and how good the pass rush has been. Uh, even with Tlaib out, I don't think the you know, I don't think we missed a beat getting pressure this week, even though it was a bad game. But I, I don't blame the defense really for a lot of this. And we didn't have to leave. So I think next week is going to be a big test for the cornerbacks because, like, this is going to sound like an obvious statement, but we played a lot worse against elite receivers last year than we played when we didn't while Tlaib was out. Everybody remembers Michael Thomas having 211 yards against us without Tlaib. When we played him again in the playoffs, he had 36 yards. So that, I think, is going to be a huge test, and I I think we'll have a better read on how that'll play out next week after we play Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley because those are some very good players down there in Atlanta. And with safety, I mean, we'll see. We don't know what's going on with John Johnson. If you read the quotes from McVay today, uh, he said he's he's getting his shoulder evaluated. Uh, when they asked him if he could be out for the game, McVay said that's a possibility. He's got to get an MRI second opinion, and they'll have some updates for us. To, so the updates will be out by the time this podcast comes out. So I don't think it's worth dwelling in too deep because we don't ha- we're recording this Monday night. We don't have this information. But uh, if it is a serious long-term injury, we're going to have to take a look in the mirror and see what we want to do. But if it's a week, if he's out for a couple weeks, not doesn't have to go to the IR uh, I'm not too, too concerned. I'm cautiously optimistic that Rap and Christian could step up. And you hope for you hope they can because we drafted we traded back and drafted Taylor Rapp instead of drafting some other guys at other positions in need. So if you know if he can't step up and be capable in this position, you're not gonna be feeling great about that pick. But I th- I think he will, and I think these guys will be able to keep the ship afloat. And I don't think that this unit, even without to leave and potentially Johnson will be what breaks, like what's going to tear the team apart. And you know, I Johnny, I bring up uh, that we we drafted Taylor Rapp, we traded back for him. We had a lot of chances to take offensive linemen in that position, but uh, I, I think we might be talking about this for a while. So let's go ahead and give a quick shout out to our sponsor here, real quick. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. All right. Uh, Joseph Nopum, torn ACL, torn MCL, out for the year. It's a pretty severe injury that's going to take a long time to recover. Uh, I I would guess he'll be ready for training camp next year, but you you tear both of them, it's 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 a long road recovery. He's out for the year. Uh, That's confirmed. Jamil Demby is stepping in at guard for Nopum. Uh, Nopum is rated, I believe, the sixth lowest guard in the NFL right now, according to Pro Football Focus. 
Uh, Jameel Demby is, in fact, the worst guard in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, I, I'm i just going to rant here a little bit, Johnny. I, I And I'm planning on writing about this later in the week. If you want to read this article, follow me at Steve Ribeiro. I think we have to give a lot of blame for the offensive line's problems. They get a lot they deserve a lot of blame for it because they're terrible. But the the general the staff the coaching staff and the front office I think deserve a lot of blame for what's going on with this offensive line. We I think pretty much everyone is like there are some crazy people who thought No Boom is like the second coming of Orlando Pace and that Brian Allen is gonna be, you know, a a le- like a 10-year starting center who's going to be a great player at the position. They had a lot of faith in these guys. But I think most of us only had faith in these two really because of how much faith it seemed that the Rams had in them. You you know, we we trust McVay. We trust Les Snead. They've, they both earned our trust. They've both done a, a great job as, you know, as coaches in this organization and, and general managers. I don't even know what that statement was. But... Uh, you trust them because Les Need he's filtered out a lot of good cornerbacks and safeties, and been able to replace them on the fly with with mid round picks. Uh, he's brought in great mid round picks at receiver, uh, and and at other positions. And you kind of thought, you no, know, maybe they know something that we don't with No Boom and with Brian Allen. And then they go, they don't bring in any depth after getting rid of. Obviously, we lost Roger Saffold. Uh, who was really good for us last year at guard. We lost John Sullivan, who was bad for us at center, I'd say, but still much better than Brian Allen's been somehow. Uh, and you don't replace those guys. Now you bring, you have your internal guys that you drafted in the third and fourth rounds, respectively, step into the guard and center roles, no Ben Allen. You don't bring in any veteran presence uh, to back these guys up. You kind of roll with the guys you got, some undrafted free agents. Uh, we did draft Bobby Evans at the end of the third round. That was our only uh, offense. Or I, we got another guy who I, I do you remember his name? The guy we got from Wisconsin, uh, David Edwards. David Edwards. So we we bring in Bobby. Uh, we bring in David Edwards and Bobby Evans. Uh, Evans was a third round pick, I believe. Uh, Edwards was a fifth or sixth round pick. But you had this, like if you had chances to draft offensive linemen that are playing right now uh you have the 31st pick and you trade back to 45 and guys that get picked in that in between that time caleb mcgarry greg little cody ford dalton dalton reisner i mean these are all names you've probably heard because we talked about them during draft season the rams liked a lot of these guys dalton reisner in particular came to mind as a guy that they liked that was a versatile offensive lineman that could play guard tackle maybe even center uh, and you had a lot of faith in that guy that you could move him around on a team that needs depth at every position, but you move back and you go to you move back to forty five from that Atlanta trade. Eric McCoy is there at center, and he's he's rated as the fourth best center in the league right now for New Orleans. You choose to trade back again. You move back to sixty one. You take Taylor Rapp, who's good, who's good. Look, I think we both like Taylor Rapp, but uh, you they put all of these all their faith into Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom that they could step in and fill this job. They don't bring back Roger Saffold. And I mean, look, let's be real. He got a pretty hefty contract, but we're giving Dante Fowler more money than we're giving him. Uh, and it has Saffold, I have, his, I have his contract here. His cap hit is $6.3 million this year. Look, we could have made that work. We could have easily made that work. 
Now you're thinking, well, he got more money long term. He's making you know, in the $12 million range for the next three years after that. There's an opt-out in 2021 on his contract, and we paid Tyler Higby eight to nine million dollars on his contract extension that kicks in next year. So you also could have paid that, but you put that money into Tyler Higby. And I'm not saying we would have given Roger Saffold this exact contract. Hell, I think we probably could have gotten him for a little cheaper than this exact contract. But you let him walk. You you trust Note Boom. You trust Allen. You bring in absolutely no depth. Your sixth offensive lineman is a guy you cut the year before. And it's not like he looked good in camp because we all saw it. Jamil Demby looked fucking horrible in camp. And now he's our starting guard for the foreseeable future. He's the worst graded offensive lineman in the NFL right now and this is where we're at and I I know Havenstein and Blythe and Whitworth have looked a lot worse this year I think that's partly because you don't have Saffold there on the line but you can't really fully blame that on the staff and the front office but you can absolutely blame the lapses and Brian Allen and Joseph Nopum and now Jamil Demby on the coaching staff and on the front office as well as them because they should have known they should have evaluated these guys and known how good they are, and they're clearly terrible. Brian Allen, again, he had a couple moments in this game where looked okay, but he had some crucial penalties. He got a false start. He's a fucking center, and he got a false start. I mean, just come on, dude. These guys are horrible, and it, you have to put a lot of blame on the front office, I think, here because they put this team together, and overall, as a front office, they've done an incredible job of doing that. But they put a lot of faith into these two players, brought in no depth. Our our guy stepping in is a guy we cut last year because he wasn't that good, clearly, and he's not good now. And this is where we're at, man. It just sucks because there's problems with this team. Goff has had problems. Stevens has had problems. But the you point to the offensive line is the clear weak link on this roster by far, and they're negatively affecting everybody else on the offensive side of the ball. And Maybe like for Havenstein and for Whitworth, you could say these guys have regressed, but for guys like Brian Allen and Demby, you could say they're never good. And you put out a Super Bowl, a theoretical Super Bowl contender starting these guys, and this is where we're at. And they deserve to to take blame for that. So, folks, I think what we've just witnessed here is uh, this is Steve's therapy. And uh, (laughs) he's, he's screaming out his inner demons right now. And uh, be be honest, buddy. Uh, th- this felt this felt good to do, right? It's been building for weeks. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> if you've read my work on Ramswire, uh, you know, as the weeks have gone on, I've gotten more and more critical of the offensive line, and now I'm just realizing that it's not because they're playing bad. Maybe these guys just suck, and they're not. And I know Jamil Demby's not good. No disrespect to him. Uh, he made it to the NFL. He's had a much better football career than me. But he's not an NFL caliber offensive lineman right now, at least a starter. Maybe he's the last guy on your bench to come in. Uh, but, it, dude, his his pass blocking grade on pro football focus is a 3.2. I have never seen a single-digit grade for any player in the NFL on pro football focus. I don't know what these numbers mean exactly. Like, I haven't broken down how they build grade these stats. They're usually somewhat reliable. They're flawed. But the dude is a 3 point two and he is our starting guard possibly for the rest of the season a 3.2 i've never seen that i didn't even notice that until i just looked at it in this this part of my talk that is fucking unbelievable well 
first off, Steve, uh, I'd love to see you line up as a guard. I think that would be hilarious. I'd be terrible. Look, again, I say this all the time because I think it's worth noting because I don't think people note this enough. When we say guys suck, they're much better than I ever was at football. And they, if you get to the NFL, your football career is an overwhelming success. You know what I mean? Like Ryan Leaf's football career was an overwhelming success compared to 99% of the other people on planet Earth. But he was not good in the NFL, and Jamil Demby is also in that category. <laughs> wow. Okay, my turn. So, uh, it, it's aggravating because it's something you and I both covered for a long time, being a little bit nervous, even kind of buying in a little bit to the hype of Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom. We we were still concerned about the depth behind them. So if something happened to these guys, you know, and this is considering these guys were any good, that now you have to rely on a guy like Jamil Demby to protect Jared Goff and the running backs. And it's, it's aggravating because it's something we all saw coming. And I don't, I know that this team didn't have a ton of money to spend, but there is there. You know, Steve mentioned. I won't go through this again, but Steve mentioned plenty of areas that they could have, you know, invested. Not not even you know get starting offensive linemen, but just reliable veterans. You know, guys that wouldn't break the bank at all, but might even be able to compete for a starting position. Because Lord knows these these uh, guys, especially guys like Havenstein and, and oh God, yeah, that's another topic too. The offensive line is just atrocious, and the the reality is the people behind them are even worse, which is just mind boggling to me. And now you're basically using Jamil Demby, who as Steve very well noted that is quite possibly the worst offensive lineman in, in the NFL right now. No that's starting it. Anyway. No offensive lineman eligible for pro football focuses stats has a pass block rating below twenty. And he's at a, a what did I say three point two? Yeah. Like I <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I've never I'm gonna I'm gonna keep talking is I'm gonna look up uh other blocking numbers on this website and see if anyone has anything in single digits. Yeah, it, it's just honestly, I don't, I don't even need Pro Football Focus to tell me how terrible of a offensive lineman that Demby is, because you saw it this past weekend. You know, maybe I'm a little bit higher on Joseph Noteboom as a guard um, than what most people were, because I thought Joseph Noteboom was doing relatively okay. You know, I kind of figured. I think people were expecting Noteboom to be the next Roger Saffold, which is completely unfair to to really think about because Saffold is was pros- quite possibly one of the most underrated players on our team last year. And the fact to, to compare him to a guy that should almost be considered for a Pro Bowl, and I, I don't I understand how he wasn't, but the fact that you're trying to compare him to that, that wasn't fair. Because this is a guy that's never started in the NFL until this year. So, no boom. 
it, it was a significant loss. And then you're going from a guy that did relatively okay to Jamil Demby, who, let, let's be real, guys, the, Demby at the very most should be your practice squad guy. He, there's no way that this guy should be your backup, and there's no way that this guy should be a starter. And the fact that now he is a starter is scary. And it's not that simple to find a free agent out there, even an aged veteran free agent. It You can't plug and play a guy like that because for those of you that don't know, offensive lineman is one of the most difficult positions to play. And it's not just the physical aspects of it. You have to be incredibly smart to be an offensive lineman. You know, it, it, they're truly the most underrated position in all of the NFL. Uh, in all of the NFL, the quarterback gets the glory, the running backs get the glory, but the offensive linemen, they don't because the only time you really bring up offensive linemen is when they play like shit. And that's why we're bringing them today. Let's be yeah. real. We barely talked about them last year. Well, it's true. It's true. It's never, oh, Roger Saffold played a hell of a game last week. You know, uh, you know, Andrew Whitworth continues to dominate the field. It's never that. But the only time we bring them up is when they play like shit. So that's how you know you have a damn good offensive lineman is when you don't ever talk about them. So for those that are – I've been – one of the reasons why I'm not active on Twitter is because it's ag- aggravating hearing some people's opinions. Because some people think it's, oh, well, why don't we just sign somebody else on uh, that's a current free agent? It's not simple, guys. They, you can't even if you find a veteran guy that's willing to come out of retirement and say he's still in good shape and whatever, they still have to learn the system. You know, this is incredibly hard. And you're talking about Sean McVay's system, a system that's very complicated. This isn't something you can just pick up a playbook and learn in two days. You know, they spend an entire offseason trying to learn this stuff. And it's and still it's hard to master. I mean, evidence is our current offensive line. So <laughs> going forward, I I mean we're probably gonna have to roll with Demby and maybe experiment with someone like Bobby Evans taking snaps at guard, which good lord, I don't know if I wanna see that, but <laughs> I mean, it, it might have to come to that if Demby continues to being the three point two rated offensive guard in the league in pass blocking. I mean, good Lord, did you guys see Jared Goff running for his life? Because this guy was in shotgun formation for so much of the game, and they still couldn't get the ball off in time before he had a defender in his face. You know, that says a lot right there, and that's probably why he has such a low rating, to be honest. Steve, how are the stats? Uh, I... No eligible guard, center, or tackle is below a 20 in pass blocking uh, and or run blocking, and he's a 3.2. Like, I, I swear to God, I, I've never seen a player with a single-digit stat on this website. <laughs> Mind-blowing stuff, dude. But, uh, yeah, you nailed it with, like, we don't talk. It's it's a tough position to be in for off the line. We don't talk about them when they're good, really. Uh, and part of the reason why the Rams were so good for the last few years was because their offensive line stepped it up. You bring in Whitworth, you change the entire culture. Uh, 
Havenstein took off and became a really good player. I don't know what the fuck happened. Uh, Roger Saffold had the best years of his career under McVay. And look, man, it it just sucks out because we're in such a bad position. Uh, I mean, we we talked about a lot of op- veteran options at guard or center and over the offseason. And obviously, we didn't sign anybody. And like you you know Jameel Demby's not that great because you cut him. You literally cut him last year. And it's not to say he doesn't deserve a spot on the roster, but as a six man when your op when your starters are so questionable is like I I don't know how they didn't they didn't bring in anybody else, man. It's it's tough. Uh and they bet they took a gamble, they bet big on these guys and it, it did. It did not pay off. It's not paying off. I didn't. I agree to you on the extent of what you said about Nope. I mean, I don't think he's been great. I don't know he's been good, but if if the center wasn't as bad and just is if everyone else didn't regress so hard, I think we'd get by with how Nope was playing, and I think he would ease into it and get better. Do you think there's a chance they make a move for an offensive lineman? I mean, maybe they they attempt to go after Trent Williams or somebody like that. I would love that, honestly. I think that would make my day. Hell, it would make my year at this point. But I think it would be very complicated because, first off, what do you give up for him? Because, I mean, there really isn't a whole lot of players we can offer that we have a surplus of unless you want to give one of our wide receivers, which... I mean, if they'd be willing to take Josh Reynolds for him, I'd be all for it. But <laughs> it's weird. I, I don't know. That. I don't know what like how they value him because they're not even. He's just sitting at home, man. You know, like you don't think they they take a third round pick for him? I, like I feel like I don't know if they would because the Redskins are a fucking shit show. But like in theory, I think if somebody called and goes, "We'll give you a third round pick for this guy," and you know you have assurances that he's going to show up there and play. Uh, I think it's a risk worth taking, but also at the same time, you'd, if you don't trade Havenstein in the deal, you're probably attempting to move him to guard in the middle of the season, which could also get dicey. And yeah, it's it's easier said than done, but I I would definitely be looking at guys targeting guys that you want to try and trade for because with Jamil, if Jamil Demby's in there starting a guard, I I don't see us playing. I don't even know if we'd be playing. We'll be able to play in January if he's starting a guard, much less February. No, I I can already tell you this. If Demby is our starting guard for the rest of the year, there's no way we make the playoffs. There's absolutely no way. Goff, I imagine, will probably get hurt because, good Lord, I've never seen a quarterback that, I mean, I I was literally laughing at all the comments saying that Goff was, was a terrible quarterback. I'm like, dude. Did you see that Goff barely has the football in his hands and he's already has pressure on him? I've never seen that before. You know, that that was god awful. How do you blame that on Goff? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that he was perfect and that he had no faults in this game because there, there was a few targets he should have made, but at that point like, man, I I don't blame the guy. But um I, I would personally love to see this happen, to, to see Trent Williams come to to the Rams. But if looking at this realistically, if, I, if I'm the Redskins, I'm already playing without 
without him. So why do I need to give up uh, give him up for just a third round pick? I would want at least a. I I would say I would still try and get a first round pick, but at, at the very least I would want a second round pick. So I think a third round pick would be a little bit wishful think wishful thinking, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I would hope that Les Need is on the phone, you know, trying to get him on, on the team. But uh, yeah. but even as you said, even if somehow Snead makes this happen, we still have a lot of issues there because I can't see Havenstein playing playing guard. I, I can't. And uh, I think we fix a lot of problems by removing Havenstein, honestly. But we, we would still have Demby at guard. And, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's just a really complicated situation. And I, I hope that, that Snead can make some sort of trade, whether it be for Williams or somebody else. But uh, offensive line, it's really hard to plug and play, guys. It's really difficult. Yeah, it's it, – I don't – I like – I don't know where you look for answers here, and that's that's part of the problem in how the team was constructed and that you bet big money on the fact that Allen and Open are going to work out and also that they're going to be healthy. Like, I'm not saying you need to have all-world players behind them, but you don't, you don't, you might not even have NFL players behind them at this point. So it's, it's definitely a tough situation, really, to break down how, how you deal with it. I, I want to talk about Goff in the offense a little more, but before we do, uh, let's give a quick shout-out to our friends from the Big Head Podcast Network, Crazy Train of Thought. All right, everybody on the train, all aboard, you snooze, you lose. Buy my loot boxes. Not you. Get off the train. Don't let him on. Oh, okay. All right, listen here, Greenhorn. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about how to conduct a podcast. First thing you need to know is never stay on topic Ever. Uh, sir. What do you want? Uh, people are complaining about the Venom movie still. I don't care. Feed them Justice League or something. Get them off my back. Copy. But, sir, it says in the book that you need to stay on topic as a podcast. Screw the book, Greenhorn. The book was written by dinosaurs. Second thing you need to know is never report news that's not at least two or three weeks old. Uh, sir. What do you want? People are complaining about the Pokemon Go update. I don't care. Just... Gag them or something. Shut them up. On it. Uh, sir? What do you want, Greenhorn? I think the train might be going off the rails. That's exactly how we run this show. This is the Crazy Train of Thought podcast brought to you by the Idiot Savants. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. www.crazytrainofthought.com All right. So you you brought up uh, how people were blaming Jared Goff and... Man, I talk about another fucking weird situation here. It, the Rams op like we I don't even know how to start talking about this offensive game against the 49ers. They opened the game and they didn't pass the ball one time on on the opening drive and they scored a touchdown on it. So kudos to them. But it felt like the whole game they didn't really even try throwing any deep passes until the end when Goff missed Gerald Everett and basically ended the game. I mean, I don't think we're going to win even if he hits ever for the touchdown there, but that's another miss. Miss deep ball throw by Jared Goff, and that's – you don't love to see it, but 
Then there's also the fact that he's getting no pass protection. He's got Mr. 3.2 at, at left guard when Joseph Nopum goes out. And he's getting rushed every play. He's not. He doesn't have time to get comfortable. He's getting pushed out of the pocket. He's he's not making th- good great throws on the run. And I think you know, that's part of the problem is that when he's not comfortable, he he gets rushed and he doesn't make good throws. And then he he doesn't really settle into a game flow when he's in this kind of scenario like he was in this game. But I don't. We ran a shitload of screens in this game. And they didn't work very well for the most part. Uh, and the running game kind of did. And I. Just that, that second half, man, offensively, like, that was the worst offensive showing I think I've ever seen from the Rams in that second half. And part of the reason is because, like, we're not watching Kellen Clemens try to throw fades to Brian Quick with Brian Schottenheimer calling the plays. You know what I mean? Like, it's Jared Goff, three of the, the maybe the best receiving core in the NFL— and Sean McVay doing absolutely fucking nothing to, like, oh, my, like, I, I don't know. Give me some thoughts on the offensive performance, especially in the second half, because I don't even know, like, what to what to think of what we saw. Well, the game ended once uh, Daryl Henderson fumbled the football, the first play in the second half. And, and you know, I, I hate admitting this because it's not something I'm proud to admit. But I knew as soon as as Henderson fumbled the football and the 49ers scored the touchdown that the game was over. And the reason being is because just the kind of atmosphere that that the Rams had, you know, the the body language, everything about them just looked defeated, especially when the offense took the field uh, the next drive. You know, it, it just they looked like they were lost out there and, and not any one player in particular, the entire offense did not look like they wanted to be there. And I, I can't blame them because of how poorly they performed. You know, keep in mind that a 14 to seven deficit is completely is, is completely doable. You know, this this is completely doable to come back and win. And, you know, it, it's it's not something that they would have struggled with last year at all. Especially when you have still most of the second half to deal with. But that's just how it was. The offense looked defeated. Uh, kudos to the defense because they could have easily picked up the vibes. And while they didn't play perfect... They still did a hell of a job. They this game could have been extremely terrible, all things considered. But they kept the 49ers to 20 points. They kept them to seven points only in the first half, and that that's just that's just the way it happened. You know, uh, I I still, you know, I I still don't know what exactly happened to how Henderson fumbled the football. But I, I don't know, Steve. Am I w- was I the only one that felt that way? That that you know the Rams. They, it appeared that the Rams lost after Henderson fumbled the football. Well, I mean, I don't, like Hender. Look, that's just a mistake, man. You know what I mean? Like he fumbles. He's a rookie. It sucks. But you're still down fourteen to seven after that. 
And I feel like every – like it just kept getting worse and worse after that play. Like you can have a bad play. You can't have seven consecutive bad plays amassing to three different drives. You know, they they had two drives in the second half out of seven where they got a first down. And it was – even at the end of the game, like – Every time we touched the football until every possession in the second half, we were still in the game, which made it even more frustrating that this was the like the most pitiful, disgusting, offensive performance I think I've ever seen. Uh, guys were just missing blocks. Goff was missing throws. Uh, there was uh, the third drive of the second half. I have notes. I'm trying to decipher them into content. Third drive of the second half. We ran three screenplays in a row, and they did not work, and we did not, we did not get the first down. So, I, no, that wasn't that wasn't the same drive. Uh, but we, we ran so many screens, we weren't looking downfield, and I don't know if that's part of because McVay didn't trust Goff, or he didn't trust the offensive line, or he didn't trust both, or he just didn't think that was the right game plan for whatever reason. But, like, my God, man, that was just – it was disgusting to watch. And it was much more painful to watch than the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking like the 2007 Patriots the other week. Because I, I just – I don't understand how McVay was coaching such a bad game. Goff was playing such a bad game. The line was just – didn't look like they wanted to be there. We, we got stuffed on one-yard situations so many times in this game. Like, you want to say Todd Gurley is not the man he, like he used to be. Say you want about Todd Gurley. I think they score a couple more points if he's their running back in this game because for whatever reason, they kept running Malcolm Brown into the ground. The, Daryl Henderson had that drive where he comes in. I think it was his first drive of the game. He has two, like, electrifying runs, literally carries us to the one-yard line by himself, essentially. They take him out. They put in Malcolm Brown, and he just runs straight into the – runs straight up the middle twice and doesn't get it either time. Uh, there were just so many unexplainable things. Uh, Brian Allen got called. It was second in inches after they got a nine-yard run. Brian Allen gets called for a holding on second in inches because they're passing it. Like, that's that's the time they look for a deep pass, a second in inches when you know damn well you got a really good chance of getting sacked every play. And just mistake after mistake after bad call after missed block after everything and everything. Uh, we went four and out twice in the second half. Uh, one one time, Goff threw the ball. I think it was to Everett and then to Cup. Bare, like I don't even know if they were past where you needed to be to get the first down. Barely. And both times it was a tough single coverage. The guys didn't make the play, but it was you run that you do it twice in a row. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, I don't know, man. It just and then the second to last drive of the game where. Like our, we got, I think we got sacked three times in a row. There is literally four minutes and 38 seconds left in the game. We're down two scores and we're punting because it's fourth and 27. Because Havenstein got blown up on first down, incomplete pass on second down, third down. Jamil Demby gets blown up, got blown up a lot in this game. Credit to the 49ers is a great defense, but holy shit, man, that was just brutal to watch. And I don't even know how to decipher it into conscious thoughts because I don't I don't know if we'll ever see a game this bad again Jared Goff 
He had 78 passing yards. It's the lowest of his career. His net passing yards, when you factor in the yards they lost in sacks, was 48. So he basically had under 50 yards on passing plays in this game. I, I don't know. I don't can't imagine that ever happens again. And if it does, I, I will deal with it when it comes because I don't even know what I would think if this we see this again. His QBR was a 1.1. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, wow. I certainly hope that we never see this type of performance again, but uh, oh, I'm not so confident when you have Jamel Demby on your offensive line. Yeah, man, that's – my God. I got it. Uh... Well, let, let's look ahead, but before we do, we do got to talk about our spon- a little more positive talk. We're going to talk about our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamours, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Guys, if you want to know the days where you could just enjoy sports in peace and not turn on the TV to see Skip Bayless talking about how Aaron Donald is not good or going on Twitter and seeing some idiots saying the Rams should fire Sean McVay, Step into the time machine and check out Jim Hogg's book, Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This tells the story of the 1950s Rams who lends a Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. I think we could use Hawk on our offensive line right now. Check out the son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. You're going to learn a lot about those guys in this book spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, in hardback, electronic, and paperback form. And you can find his book on Twitter at Hollywood Team as well. Guys, we both read this book from cover to cover. It is a great read. It is an awesome book, especially uh, if you want a little detox from what the Rams are doing right now. Step into this book. Take a, get a blast from the past on the good old days of Los Angeles and Los Angeles Rams football, the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers, guys. And it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, Hollywood's team, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. So we got Atlanta coming up next week. They are not good. But as far as one in five teams go, you're going to be a lot more concerned about Atlanta than you would be about Washington. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of talent on this football team on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, their defense, not good. They've given up tw- at least 20 points in every game this year. Over the past two weeks, they've given up 87 points. So if there was ever a bounce-back game for an offense that just had 48 net passing yards, this is the one. But at the same time, when you're a defense that might be playing without two of their starters in the secondary, this is not the one. Uh, because Matt Ryan is a good quarterback, and Julio Jones is, to to me, potentially the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, he is just an absolute stud. He's a guy that's going to plot for yards. And he's going to be tough for us to deal with, honestly. And then they have Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley. I mean, it's a good good group of receivers. Austin Hooper uh, is coming along. He's actually leading the team in receiving, which is fucking insanity because Julio Jones is on their roster. Uh, This is going to be a lot, a lot to deal with. Uh, I think we want to talk about offense and defense, but we'll split them up. So uh, honestly, talk about whatever you want to do first in this game, whatever your, uh, your expectations for either how the offense 
does or how the defense does. Dealer's choice. So, <laughs> so let, let's go in order. Let's start with offense. Just because, well, we, we just had such positive reviews, so why not? <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so one of the things that I, I kind of talked to Steve about before we uh, we started the podcast is that obviously the the Falcons have an interest uh, have a really good uh, offense, but one one of the reasons why they are so terrible this season is because their defense is atrocious. Uh, I mean, just look look at how uh, they played against the Arizona Cardinals. Like, no disrespect to the Cardinals because I do feel like they could be up and coming at some point. Uh, certainly not this season, but um, they should not surrender that many points to the Arizona Cardinals. They just they shouldn't. And really, the Falcons they should be a much better team than what their record suggests, but the defense is what's losing the games. So if there was a game for the offense to spark, this would be the time like now. If they don't, it's, it's just sad at that point because there are certain, there are certainly players on the Falcons, you know, that you shouldn't overlook but to to be quite honest, if the offense cannot perform against the Falcons' defense, then really we're in much more trouble than we might have anticipated. So I think ultimately the, the Rams will do fine. You know, I, I'm sure there will be some hiccups along the way. But offensively, I, I'm really not that concerned because I feel like they should be able to, uh, you know, get their wits about them offensively, you know, trying to dish the ball out, whether it be through the air or on the ground, because we certainly have enough playmakers to make this this offense become like what it once was, but whether or not they are able to make this happen through the offensive line. I'm not entirely sure yet, but uh, I will say this. It'll be nice not having to deal with the 49ers front seven. How how are you feeling offensively, Steve? Well, I mean, we've played a lot of really good fucking defensive fronts this year. And maybe, maybe this is the week where, Oh, I get. I would love to be proven wrong about this offensive line. It would give me great joy and pleasure if Brian Allen goes to the Pro Bowl this year, thanks to ten of the best games in NFL history. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but it would be fucking fantastic. Uh, and I, I am really curious to see how this game plays out because you look at who we've played. I mean, the line has been terrible, but at the same time, uh, you played against some monster pass rushes. We. Everyone we've played this year, I think, has a good defensive line, if not great. Uh, Miles Garrett, Shaq Barrett, Davion Clowney uh, for the 49ers front seven, which is unbelievable. Uh, Cam Jordan, Joe McCoy. You played against a lot of really good players so far. This is not one of those teams. In the next two weeks, uh, I could see the Rams 
uh, riding it out into the bye week. We just see, you know, see how their offensive line plays out. Uh, do you know when the NFL trade deadline is? Ooh, I, I have no idea, to be October honest. October 29th. So, yeah, that's right after the Bengals game. I could see them taking these two games, letting it ride out, because it's Atlanta and it's Cincinnati. I mean, if your offensive line is bad in these two games, then you need to make a goddamn trade if you want any chance of playing in the playoffs, which, given the talent of this team, they absolutely should. I, 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 it's weird saying it after what we watched last week, but I have to feel optimistic, man. Uh, this is not a good defense. This is, in theory, a good offense. If this line can be passable... And it, uh, we even talked about the running back injuries. If Todd Gurley's out there, uh, I think they should explode in this game. And I think McVay will come in motivated. And I think he's going to come in with the motivation that, you know, was it three years ago and against Atlanta when Dan Quinn essentially got Jeff Fisher fired? Uh, was right? It three that, years was, ago? that was Atlanta, not the Patriots. And then they fired Jeff Fisher the next game, right? Yeah, I think it was now that you mentioned it. Well, let's call this the Jeff Fisher redemption game where we blitzed the Falcons defense so badly that they fired Dan Quinn because I don't know if he makes it past the bye week if they start out one and seven. It's I I think you have to have faith that this is the, the bounce back game because if you don't have faith and you don't have faith in this roster at all, and I do. I believe in I believe in Goff. I think he's he's been really flawed this year and bad at times, but the offensive line's not helping him. But at the same time, if he wants to be a truly great quarterback, he's not going to have a top five offensive line every year. That's just the facts of the NFL, and he's got to do better. I think I do think they bounce back. I think it's a big blow up game offensively. Uh, are you in agreement there? I believe in Harvey Dent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just when I heard you say I, I believe, like I, I I cued you up I, for it. I I did. You know, I just uh, you know I I need to see the Joker, man. I, I I haven't seen the Joker movie, and and I'm going horribly off topic. Okay, uh, so it was great. I saw it. We'll talk about <laughs> it. We'll talk about it when you see it. We'll come back to it. Okay, fair enough. Ah, uh, so yeah, I I think that. When it's all said and done, I, I do believe that the Rams could bounce back this week. It, it's it's there. You know, they have it right there. It's just whether or not they can actually do it with the offensive line. I, I think even if Todd Gurley sits out this game, I still believe in Malcolm Brown. I still believe in Daryl Henderson. You know, they did not have a good game against the 49ers. But if they can't do it against the Falcons then good Lord, I don't know what we're going to do for the rest of the season. But, yeah, that said, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that the Rams should be able to win this game with ease. I, I'm not even saying this game should be a close game. I'm saying that they should win with ease. If they don't, this this is, is very alarming. Well, but, uh, well, let's talk about the other side because I think – for all for all the slack we're going to give Atlanta here, I don't you know they're not a good team, but uh, they have a lot of talent on that offensive side of the football. We're missing a couple guys on defense. Uh, I think that they they might be a handful to deal with offensively, and 
if you ever wanted the test of if this secondary can hold up without Tlaib and without Johnson, if, if he's I, – I can't imagine he plays in this game, but if he's out extended time, this is the one, man, because they got five guys that you need to pay attention to on offense pretty much at all times. Uh, it's kind of like the Rams where, you know, like Everett and Higby, they're not the best players, but it's the fifth option in the passing game. They're lethal. Same thing goes for Muhammad Sanu. He's, I don't think he's an, a great receiver, but he's decent, and he's the fifth guy in this offense. That's you got to deal with Julio, who I mean, God, God bless whoever else cover him in this game. Probably Marcus Peters. Uh, I'll be saying a prayer in front of my bed for Peters tonight. Uh, and then you got Calvin Ridley, Troy Hill might be on this guy, Muhammad Sanu, uh, Nick Albi Coleman's gonna be guarding somebody. We struggle against tight ends. Austin Hooper is playing out of his mind, uh, and and Kittle just ha- had a nice game against us. The running game kind of sucks, but Freeman is still also a threat in the passing game too. This is a good passing offense, man, and I. I don't think we win this game with ease, honestly. I think it's a shootout because I do – I have faith in Matt Ryan. He's actually having a pretty good year. Uh, but if we can have a okay game in pass coverage in this game, I will feel good about our secondary. And even if they get blown up, I, I don't know if I'm out on them, but I'm definitely going to be very concerned because it's a tough matchup. But that's a uh, man. That's a good passing offense with a with a former MVP at quarterback. Yeah. So this is where the concern would be if uh, if it turns into a shootout. I'll feel a lot better because uh, you know the it it wouldn't surprise me that the Falcons would uh, offensively wise they would do well. Just because there's just so many weapons, you know, you you listed them all. Particularly Hooper is one that kind of makes me nervous. Seeing how Kittle, you know, basically <laughs> was was the entire offense for the 49ers, really. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I feel like is going to be a concern, especially with the kind of hurt secondary. This is kind of where we need the front seven to come in and, you know, really, really put a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan. We've all seen what happens when Matt Ryan is under pressure. This guy makes terrible mistakes when that happens. So if if Aaron Donald explodes in this game, uh, this might be a fun game for the Rams. You know, this, this should be interesting. But, yeah, I, I would say I'm more concerned with the secondary more than anything in this game just because I you know I'm not really a believer in Freeman you know Dante Freeman uh I think he's all right but I don't I I actually think Tevin Coleman is the much better uh running back you know no longer with the team obviously with the 49 but yeah, do you are you gonna butt heads with me on that one? I I I I don't know if Freeman's that good anymore, but I I don't think Coleman's very good. I mean, we just watched uh, him. I, I don't think he's that good. I'm more of a Brita guy myself, but uh, compared to Freeman, I, I think I'd rather have Coleman. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think either of them are very good, right? I think Freeman though was good at a time. I just I don't think he's as good anymore. Time. No, not at all. So that's why, like for me, I, I'm more concerned with the secondary. I, I think we we should be able to contain Freeman. He, he's he still has something left in the tank, so we shouldn't overlook him. But uh, the the biggest the biggest thing would obviously be the secondary and trying to find a, somebody who can contain Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, you know, Muhammad Sanu and Austin Hooper. That's, that's, that's pretty epic there, man. Yeah. It's, it's a bit, I mean, as, as whole receiving cores, they, they might have a better receiving core than we do. If you, if you factor in the tight end, uh, it's, and yeah, Julio, obviously, Looking at, I looked, pulled up the numbers from early in this year. I mean, no, outside of <laughs> fucking Chris Godwin, we haven't really been diced up by any receivers. Uh, you know, McCaffrey had his way with us, but a lot of that was on the ground. Uh, Godwin and is the only res- wide receiver to go for over a hundred on us. Uh, Kittle had a hundred and three, so factor in tight ends. But I mean. Yeah, tight end scares me a little bit because over the last two weeks, Kittle and Disley have, have had pretty solid days. But I think receivers wise, you know, I think I I think it's gonna be a sheet out, but I don't like I feel like we're not gonna get eviscerated. We might buy Julio, but I like I, I stare at the sheet of how the Rams have covered receivers this year, and I mean it looks good. Uh Odell, fifty six yards, Michael Thomas, eighty nine. Mike Evans, 89. You know, if you hold Julio to 89, I will throw a parade. I'll be thrilled. But then there's just this glaring 12 receptions for 172 yards and two touchdowns by Chris Godwin. And I just have to temper my expectations a lot because that's just staring in my face that that game actually happened this year. Uh, (laughs) He had double the receiving yards in that game than Jared Goff had this week. Ouch. (laughs) Uh well, I've been going for a while, so I'll make our my prediction. I'll let you make yours. I'm gonna go 38 to 34. The Rams come out on top. I think this is gonna be a dogfight, a shootout, and it. I I <laughs> as much as I hate to say this, I don't think we're capable of blowing out the Falcons right now. Uh, I I think it'll be a good game. Two teams kind of fighting for their lives in different ways. And I, I think we, I, I think we win, even on the road. I, you lose to the Falcons, man, and I, I don't even know where, where we go from there. Yeah, that's. Uh, God, I hope that doesn't happen. But uh, for my prediction, I, I have a similar score, except I'm gonna, well, a, a little bit more points on the board. I'm gonna say forty-five, thirty-one Rams. All right, and it should be noted, uh, the Falcons lost last week because Matt Bryant missed an extra point when they scored a game-tying touchdown. And uh, they've had, they had close games with the Colts, or they had a close game with the Colts. They beat the Eagles, who are looking, or who have been okay this year. I guess not really. They kind of got shot by the Vikings this week. Same <laughs> record as us, though. Uh, but it, as far as one in five, like, the Falcons are a much better team than the Bengals, who we play the week after. And, I mean, you lose to the Falcons. If you hadn't lost three straight games, I don't think it's the end of the world. 
might be because we've lost three straight games. Uh, you lose to the Bengals, and I, I don't even know where you fucking begin from there. Uh, but anyways, any any parting thoughts here, Johnny? If we lose to the Bengals, we need to make some, some moves. We need to fire people. <laughs> God. Let's not let's not even discuss that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my departing thought. I think just just my parting thought is a loss of the Falcons is possible, and I don't think we need to say people need to get fired if we do. But it's gonna be really shitty if we do a loss of the Bengals. And yeah, I I will hear any and all bad fire McVay, bench Goff, fire less need takes. You name them, I'll hear them if we lose to the Bengals. But <laughs> uh, don't forget. Check out our shows for the rest of the week. Rams Talk Radio will be back. Rams Uncensored on Friday. Uh, follow Johnny on Twitter at Johnny596. Follow me on Twitter at C. Ribeiro. Follow Rams Talk on Twitter at Talk Rams. Don't forget, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Like us on Facebook. Join the Rams Talk crew. Uh, and, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.